Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Yang. Good to have you along. Today, we're diving into the vibrant world of community cafeterias, where the sizzle of new openings meets the fizzle of closures. While not all of these local diners overcome operational challenges, they often have valid reasons for their existence. Are they destined to be a staple amenity in every neighborhood? Hold your horses, Huyang. Let's take a little stroll around the hood first. For today's program, I'm joined by Xingyu and Josh Cotterell. First on today's show, your local community cafeteria was initially designed to provide elderly residents in the neighborhood with a convenient and budget-friendly dining option, just a short stroll from their homes. These local eateries have gained considerable traction in China. In a recent report by Changjiang Daily, a new community cafeteria in Wuhan's Rose Bay neighborhood has taken innovation a step Further, by introducing a robotic chef to whip up quick and tasty meals for residents. However, despite their positive intention, community cafeterias are experiencing a paradox. While a steady number of them continue to spring up, a simultaneous trend of closures has also taken hold. So since 2022, a government guideline gave community cafeterias a push from the national level. These affordable community eateries have mushroomed all over China. How are they holding up? Well, in the past few years, we have seen new community cafeterias opening in various cities like Shanghai, Chengdu, Xi'an, Hangzhou, Shijiazhuang, and Harbin. And what's more, some of these community cafeterias, which are originally designed to offer convenience for the elderly people, have become popular dining destination among younger customers. And these restaurants often come with modern designs, some even with cafes and book areas. And not all of these. Community cafeterias are government-funded. Many of them are operated by third-party companies, but subsidized by local governments, and they offer discounted meals to seniors over the age of 60. But at the same time, we've seen quite a number of community cafeterias closed in some cities,、um, such as Shenyang, Shanghai, Chengdu, and Shijiazhuang, or they struggle to maintain operations. And some of them, the reasons behind these、uh, include poor management, insufficient food. Traffic and also some did not survive the pandemic. Yes, that is correct. And Hongxing News reported a few, a number of the 500 community cafeterias in Chengdu City alone have closed doors last year. So、yeah. you can get a idea、mm-hmm. of there are a lot of these community cafeterias opening, but also there's a fair number of them who don't survive、yes. more than a year or so.、Mm-hmm. And Josh, do you see these kind of Neighborhood community dining options that are supposed to be tasty, cheap, and welcoming, and all that good stuff, and、uh, especially popular among older folks in your country. Well, in the UK, I think that the concept of community cafeterias is not as widespread、um, as as they are in other cultures. There are certainly A lot of things that are slightly similar, but I I wouldn't say there's a direct、uh, comparison here because we have a 
big cafe culture just generally. If you've ever been to Europe or the United Kingdom, you'll know that the cafe is a really important part of our culture, of the way we socialize for many age groups, maybe not particularly younger generations, but you know, anybody maybe above the age of 25 would frequent something like a cafe, um, which was, you know, before the coffee shop, before Starbucks came along and really filled that gap in the US market. They didn't really have cafes, but so these things have always sort of existed. And then, and so there are ones that cater more towards elderly people. There are cafeterias that um, are also run by the church, for example. There are some um, charitable organizations, and this is also for maybe homeless people, um, sometimes for elderly people as well, who are maybe on pensions that uh, don't give them that much money and things like this. But generally, it's quite it's a bit harder to distinguish in my own country to answer to give you a shorter answer because we have so many cafes generally, but we do have these kind of communal dining spaces for sure. Right. Could you also just try to distinguish between cafes and restaurants? Because I think here in China, Mm. what people are essentially talking about is a simple, easygoing restaurant that doesn't serve super fancy meals, but not necessarily as coffee served there. Mm. It's sort of just the name of what it is. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. It's a great question. It's a fantastic question. And I think that I often get a similar question about the difference between a pub and a bar. And I think that actually the difference is quite similar between a cafe, restaurant, pub, bar, because the difference is usually about the amount of time you're expected to stay there. And so in a cafe, I mean, a cafe could also be a bar and a restaurant, right? Some of them cross over. Um, But what it means is that you get a hot drink. And a hot drink is also something that might be refilled, but you drink a hot drink much slower, right? Than you would a cold drink. Usually you can sit there for a longer period of time. So the chairs are usually much more comfortable. You're usually welcome to stay there all afternoon and maybe work on a laptop or talk with a friend or something like this. So I think the major difference is this, is originally the cafe was based around serving hot tea or hot coffee, which would take you a longer time to drink and would usually facilitate having a conversation with friends or family for a longer period of time. All right. And these community cafeterias are in a tricky spot here in China. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be affordable, but also they need to make money. So they're kind of public as they're getting free rent and government subsidies Uh, or at least subsidies to part of the rent Mm -hmm. and kind of private as they need to make a profit to stay open. And communities have been exploring public-private partnerships, leveraging both government support and private investment. In reality, that can be complicated. So what are the biggest hurdles in running a community cafeteria these days? Mm. I think one of the biggest hurdles is that Um, these community cafeterias, they offer affordable meals to the locals. So that means the prices are cheap, but that also means they have relatively low profits. But the operational costs of these community cafeterias are not low. For example, a community cafeteria in Baoding, Hebei province, um, it has four chefs and the monthly labor cost exceeded 20,000 yuan. So that's around $2,800. And the, the cost is more than the money they make each month. And they finally closed because of the insufficient revenue. 
And, and another thing that I want to point out is that for many Chinese customers, community cafeteria is still something new and it's on its initial phase of development in the country. So many consumers haven't formed this habit of eating in the community cafeteria. But it's quite handy for the locals who only need to walk for like five or 10 minutes to the cafeteria. But for others, I don't think other customers, they would like to spend half an hour or an hour mm. of travel to this community cafeteria to eat. But for some of these popular restaurants, I think many are willing to spend that much of time to visit the restaurant and also probably willing to wait for half an hour to to eat. Uh, so that's why I think for community cafeterias, they also face competition from other dining options and also other uh, diverse offerings of the catering industry. Mm, that's such a great point. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because um, with these community cafeterias, I think the key is community. Yeah, yes. So it's supposed to attract locals, the residents who live nearby, but are the services or are the demands of services from these patrons enough to keep this place afloat? Maybe mm -hmm. that is kind of the key question here. So Josh, do you have some thoughts about this, you know, this relationship with customers and who sh should the target audience be? Well, yeah, I, I think that this is an important question. And if you look at a lot of community spaces, not just cafes, but they're often targeted towards the youth or to elderly people, i.e. the the communities or sorry, the um, populations or the parts of our populations that are no longer working, right? So they have more time and they maybe need to occupy that time somehow in a way that is healthy or maybe even contributes to their community that is not, you know, paid work. And actually by nature, these two parts of the population, if we're talking about a community space for the youth or a community space for older people, they um, are not as able to contribute and they may not have the financial stability or they may not even have the physical stability to be able to, you know, go out all of the time and spend that much money. I mean, I feel like a lot of elderly persons are probably going to spend a bit less money than maybe working populations, right? At least, I mean, it seems to be a common theme in my own country. So it's quite difficult for some of these community spaces to support themselves and make money when their main customer base are those which are not working and earning anymore. Yeah, uh, what I'm going to say next possibly is not a great fit for our current situation in China, but see how you think. Years ago when I was uh, living in the UK, I remember helping out in a soup kitchen that was in my neighborhood. And uh, so therefore I was just a volunteer mm -hmm. that turns up from time to time. Of course, you know, that's all prearranged. And therefore I'm not there to work for money, but I'm there to help out. And I didn't go too often, you know, uh, should have, but that was more than I could handle as a student back then. So I was wondering if, let's say, you have a vibrant volunteer network as such, then, you know, it's one way to keep the labor costs down. But um, this is not necessarily um, being introduced in, in the Chinese situation just yet. And uh, it seems like, you know, still the key question here is how to keep these 
private slash public businesses afloat and cost is the biggest issue. Yes, so turning a profit is not easy. Why are some individuals, though, even food companies, jumping on the community cafeteria bandwagon right now? Mm. I think uh, market dynamics are a driving force right now. For these community cafeterias, they emphasize cost effectiveness, which aligns with the current trends of consumers who are conscious of their living cost, and they want consumption at their home doorstep, and they value healthy eating. So these community cafeterias, which are characterized by affordability, have a market among those budget-conscious consumers. And many companies, they are drawn to this aspect, and they, they are seeing potential business opportunity. For example, in November last year, Bright Food Group, which is a Chinese food manufacturing company, opened a community cafeteria in Shanghai. And apart from this modern interior design, um, they offer dishes that are cheap and also it has options like baking snacks coffee and a supermarket and it has become a very popular spot among many young people and also in uh, another example is that in Fuzhou Fujian province these cafeterias offer recreational activities for the elderly people such as Chinese calligraphy painting and some volunteers also teach these elderly people how to use smartphones Mm. and also there is a separate room for their grandchildren. So according to the local government, there are over 500 such cafeterias in Fuzhou serving around 600,000 elderly people in the city. So I think in that case, it's not just a dining area, but it's, it also serves as a like cultural space to make social connections. Yeah, I think that when we think about community cafeterias, it, it does appear as though turning a profit isn't easy, but I think there are a lot of pros to doing so. Uh, the ones that you mentioned are definitely some of them. I think also uh, we got to remember that if you open a business like this and you really integrate it and you host and participate in collaborating with the local community, it also builds a relationship that I think can contribute to sustained success. And this is what businesses are always looking for, right, is sustained success. And I think by being deeply integrated into the community, that's possible. And then even more so when you take into account the higher likelihood of government support and initiatives, which I know this will differ from region to region and from local government to local government, but there are generally more initiatives by local governments, um, at least in my own country, to promote community-focused businesses. So there are definitely some pros here, all besides the, the great difficulties, which of course maybe outweigh Uh, the pros. Mm -hmm. And I think what both of you sort of point to is a really important part of elderly care in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. or home-based elderly care, because that is still what the vast majority of older folks would prefer as they enjoy their golden years. And having these uh, neighborhood community uh, cafes or just hangout places can be an important social hub for yeah. for folks and and that's a really great thing and that will reduce possibly social isolation as well so Xingyu, tell us more about i guess the importance of having these kind of amenities and infrastructure in our neighborhoods 
Actually, China has been promoting the construction of living circles in cities that enable residents to conduct all of their essential activities within a 15-minute walk from their homes. And that plan also includes these elderly people. Um, according to statistics from the National Health Commission, um, at present, about 90% of these elderly people in China receive home-based care. So I think the establishment of 15-minute elderly care service circles includes including these community cafeterias that we're talking about that can really facilitate elderly care at home and improve its accessibility and service quality. Yes, indeed. And this is a big part to improve urban living um, mm. in terms of uh, policy support. And we've seen this 15-minute uh, community living circle thing <laughs> being implemented all over the country uh, since 2019. Shanghai has implemented a pilot program as such in 15 areas within the city. And uh, this idea is similar to Portland's 20-minute neighborhood plan, which imagined a city where residents' daily needs were accessible within a 20-minute walking or cycling distance. And in 2022, Paris also proposed a 15-minute city plan in a bid to clean the city's air and increase the quality of life for Parisians. And here, I think it's just not only serves great convenience for anybody living in the neighborhood, but particularly it is really great for older folks who might see their circle of mobility kind of diminish as you grow a bit older. And I don't know if this is something that should deserve more attention to, to make it different, but maybe that's just a fact of life. And mm. then it's just so much more comfortable and mm. serving to people's daily needs to have these amenities in walking distance. Yeah. And to my understanding, the implementation of these like 15 minute uh, care circle or 20 minute service circle thing that so many cities around the world has its particular relevance today because all over the world we see cities are growing. And I remember for the last 20 odd years in Beijing, I'll just take Beijing as an example because here is where we are. and. People speak of the expansion of the city with great pride. It is a sign of modernity, of development, and attracting talent to settle down, all that stuff. But however, it has also created quite a lot of difficulty for people in terms of going to A to B. Everything is so far away. And among the younger generation, people mm -hmm. say that if you would cross half of the city of Beijing to meet up with this potential love interest, then that's true <laughs> love because that's how big the city is. It's like going to a different it feels like it's almost like a different uh, administrative uh, region uh, from <laughs> district to district. And and therefore, if everything is close by, then that's like super small, neat and convenient. <laughs> well, I think that cities aren't the best place for anybody to live and grow old these days. I think that we all need community. And I think that 
cities, sadly, these days, they do not offer that. In fact, we become more and more isolated. I, I, I really do look at us as animals and I, I, I'm really interested in like hunter-gatherer societies and stuff, for example, which were basically humans, but in nomadic groups. And these kind of communities, if you look back at them historically, they only range from about a few dozen to a few hundred individuals. And um, these groups are often based on like kinship ties and things like this. And for sure, there's that's not to necessarily say that we're not supposed to live in a bigger society than this. But when we're talking about living in a city of millions and millions, and we're living in big apartment blocks, which sure, they definitely facilitate a more quote unquote modern lifestyle with better technological advancements and better medical care um, and, you know, maybe better heating and better access to a diversity of food and produce and things like this. But what we often lack is a sense of community. It's just too big to have that. And I think that when we're working really hard and we're in that part of our life where we're able to buy all of these products and meet lots of new people and move at a really fast pace, we often forget what community really is. And then we get to a point where we become elderly and we really need that community. We need that social interaction and it's just not there anymore. So it really is an interesting phenomenon and quite an issue that um, is, is, that's difficult to deal with as our cities continue to grow. So it's something that's going to have to be considered carefully in the future as we develop these cities. I don't know how we're going to do it. Yeah, I think um, that's also why cities across China, they are making great efforts in improving the overall livability of the city, both for the younger generation, also for the elderly people. And since we're talking about community cafeterias for this episode, I think many of these cafeterias, they are transforming itself from a simple canteen into a more complex and also more comprehensive uh, community service platform. They want to provide things like health lectures, also medical checkup services for the elderly, and also offer like learning and relaxation spaces for children, and also organize various interest group activities for the locals. So I think in that sense, community cafeterias are not just a dining area. It's more of a a place to build social connections for the local communities. That mm. sounds absolutely fabulous, but I'm sorry to say, <laughs> to bring everybody back to the ground, <laughs> that all sounds very expensive to me. Um, yes, how can these businesses stay afloat in the sense that if they're already struggling by serving people food, <laughs> then... Yeah, sorry to bring the reality up like that, but it's quite a pickle. Well, I think that you have to go about it from the beginning having good local support. So I think that if you're creating a community center, then it needs to be community oriented, uh, oriented. And I think the way to do that is to communicate with the local community beforehand. So Every business needs to do its market research right before opening. And I think that a lot of the market research that one should do if if one is to open a business like this should be based in the community. So going and talking to people, I mean, even going back to it would make sense for the people opening this business to maybe do it in their own community or to have their own relatives there or something like this, right? Or to have some sort of emotional or personal or family 
relationship with that particular space. I think that's going to help, right? Because every community is different and that's got what's going to make that special and what's going to sustain it ultimately. Uh, and also I have noticed that some community cafeterias, they're experimenting with introducing additional businesses like coffee shops and bars to enhance profitability through diversification. So I think that's also one of the ways to attract more customers to make profits and stay open. Maybe it will become very handy if you have a relative who's a good accountant to balance the books for you. I think that's really very essential for every business. Having the relative bit is that, you know, make that person work for free for you, maybe additionally. See how that works. 